music bed. Welcome to The Reality Check, where we dive into counseling truths, remedies, and hot topics. We are your hosts, Vaughn Crichton and Kristen Abraham, and we look forward to walking with you as we navigate some of life's deeper reflections. everybody. Welcome back to The Reality Check. Uh, we are so glad that you are joining us today. I'm here with Fawn Crichton, and my name is Kristen Abrahams. And we have a really interesting topic today that we want to talk with you about. Uh, we know, and we here at Wood Forest are pro-marriage. We do everything that we can uh, to work and heal and make marriages healthy. However, there are times where that is just not a possibility. And as we have sat here and discussed multiple times what that looks like and what is needed, um, Fawn is going to talk to you about the top 10 things that you need to know prior to even serving papers for divorce. Again, we want to say that this is not something that we're um, out of the gates wanting to promote. Um, In fact, we are solidly strong about and believing that all marriages can be healed. However, there are circumstances and there are times where you need to know what is ahead of you. If this is something that is on the table, that if this is something that is out of your control. So I'm super excited to have fun here today because she has a lot of knowledge and input about what is needed uh, prior to even having the discussion of divorce. Uh, thanks, Kristen. Um, you know, one of the things that Um, I find can be so helpful is a therapist that has been there and done that. (laughs) Um, Very true. Real life experience definitely makes you a better therapist. And uh, during my journey of divorce, one of the things that I realized was, you know, part of that mental health journey is just having the answers to the what ifs. And, mm-hmm. and being able to prepare for them. And it can be extremely therapeutic to um, kind of prepare for divorce, but not necessarily file for divorce. Sometimes just the preparation makes us feel stronger and make us feel like that we won't, you know, be taken advantage of Absolutely. when the, that time comes. Because at the end of the day, we do not know, nor can we control what the other person exactly. is going to do. Mm-hmm. So if you are completely prepared, then when that time comes, you can focus on your kids, your emotional health, your physical health, um, financial health. Mm-hmm. So many things go into play that I was not prepared for. Yeah, And I remember, you know, I would try to find books and I would try to find um you know, information on, you know, what's going to happen here in Montgomery County? Like how is, you know, you read all of these, you know, preparing for divorce, but it's another state or it's, you know, another um, county that doesn't necessarily have um, the inability to, for instance, I didn't know Montgomery County, um, you can't um, seal a divorce anymore. Interesting. And that's county by county gets to decide that. Yeah. So you know, this is for everybody, but one thing that just made me feel a lot better is to, um, have 
have the information. Yeah. So I think, um, and one more thing that I want to add to that is, you know, there have been times, many times where we are having to counsel people through, through this season of life. And one of the things that I always say to couples prior to what we're going to be talking about is if you decide to go the divorce route, you need to be able to have a conversation with God and with your children to say, I did everything I possibly could to save this marriage. And so this podcast is on the other side of that. It's on, I did everything I could, and this is the inevitable. And so what we want to do is help you get to this next part of the journey. So with that, let's start with number one. Well, so a lot of people, you know, ask me, where do I start? What, Mm -hmm. What do I even do? How do I even file for divorce? Like, is that something I can do? Um, and the answer is is no, that you need an attorney to do that. Um, can you do that? Probably yes. Um, will it be a mess? Yes. <laughs> uh, unless you are a legal assistant or went to law school, um, I recommend that you get an attorney to do this. Um, Kristen, you mentioned earlier that you thought a retainer was about 3,500. Yes. Um, in the last couple of years, as I've worked with different men and women, they've, they've found, they've looked for attorneys. They always look for the cheapest ones because they know it's going to be expensive. And it's been about $3,500 to have a retainer, but I hear that's gone up. Is that correct? Well, I think what's happening is that judges now, um, primarily in Montgomery County, they all require mediation. And in fact, Um, I'm hearing couples tell me that they're going the route of mediation for temporary orders, which means the cost is immediately so much more double, right? Wow. Exactly. And so now, you know, my last probably four or five clients that have started taking this journey, the, the retainers were 10,000. And so because that amount um, sometimes it's going to be paid by the spouse. Mm-hmm. The attorney knows, especially female, um, they won't get their money necessarily up front. They've got to wait for the settlement or they've got to wait for, um, you know, the, the temporary orders. Some to type be. of agreement. Correct. Right. And so they're asking for a lot more money up front. And as you know, that money has to be cash. Yes. They don't, uh, you can't put that on a, on credit, a credit card, card right? Because it can be called back. And so they just don't. Um, take it now on a credit card. So you can pay cash as in dollars or write a check that can be cashed immediately. Correct. But, but no credit cards. Interesting. But most of the time, I know cash is, <laughs> cash is uh, still king with divorces, right? <laughs> right. Nobody's taken away cash from the divorces. <laughs> so if you are going to, you know, have to go down that route, make sure that you have 10,000 cash saved because that will be your first retainer. And I don't recommend writing a check because then the other person sees that, you know, you have filed if if you are wanting to keep that private. So just make sure that there's 10,000 cash before you jump into this briar patch. (laughs) I literally had a client who hid 10,000 cash under the mattress. Like that sounds like 19, you know, 25, but that's what's actually going on. Well, um, it's funny. I had a a client that told me, you know, now all the chairs have the zippers underneath them. Yes. And she was hiding it under the zipper chair and she would move, move it. (laughs) There were six chairs and she would, she would move it, move it around different zipper. Um, 
But so that kind of brings me to number two, actually, and that's get your own bank account. If you do not have a bank account with your name on it, mm. you need to have one with your name and your name only on it. Um, if you have a joint account, I'm not saying, you know, take your name off the joint account. I just want you to mm-hmm. have your own bank account. Mm-hmm. Would you say in the same bank or a separate bank? I am going to say in a separate bank. Interesting. So that the accounts don't get commingled. And commingled. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes, very much so. Okay. All right. Well, what is the next step from there? Number three, get copies of all of your home deeds, your social security cards, driver's license, your passport, and get a copy of your spouses and your kids as well. It is the one thing that starts to disappear as the relationship starts to disappear. These are also items that you have to have to get your name off of things. In other words, like if you're going to remove yourself from a joint account, the bank will require for you to send in a copy of your driver's license and his driver's license with both of your Hmm. um, information. What about uh, mortgages and car titles? Would that be part of it too that you need to get copies of? Absolutely. Okay. Um, Anything that is going to have uh, still have payment. Okay. And you know, anything that you need to show ownership, let's say you own a boat, right? Mm -hmm. Get the deed, the ownership papers to that boat. Um, you know, these things will be negotiated in mediation and through the divorce, but you need to have copies of the titles of everything. Um, because once that stuff goes missing, it's very, very hard to get. And, you know, it's time consuming. It's a time stealer. Yes. And so get a copy of it because it's the first thing that people take when you file. That's interesting that you say that because that was a situation that I had again with the client and she had to pay her lawyer more money to subpoena all of that information and have it available to her. So by doing this in advance, you actually are in some ways saving yourself time and money Um, by having it on hand at the ready. Yeah. And again, this is all prep that can be therapeutic, but also it just, it it saves you so much pain and suffering when the time comes. Because a lot of times um, we don't even realize what our names might be on and not on. Mm. And so you know, having this information and being able to see, you know, oh, I thought I was on the, um, you know, phone account or I thought I was right. on this deed. Mm-hmm. You know, as spouses, you know, men and women, sometimes um, when, you know, things are good and the relationship's good, we don't get wrapped up in the details of that. No. And during a divorce, it, it comes out and it's important. And so, you know, being able to um, address that before you file is important. You know, maybe you need to get your name put on something. If you are not on the house, you need to be on the house. That needs to be a boundary that you set in counseling or yes, do not um, file until your name is on these important items. The house, the car, the checking accounts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I'll just lead into the next one on that. The, um, phone, 
Mm. If your name is not on the phone account, if your spouse owns the, your phones and you are not on it, then they own your number. So if it, it can be the first thing that they cut off. Yes. So if you are not on the account, you need to make sure that your spouse gives you access to the account, either get a separate account and get permission to port your number over or be on the account where it takes you as well as them to cancel something. Yeah. Again, that is something that actually did happen with a client. Um, she moved here from out of state. So her whole family was in California and her name was not on her phone. Her husband cut her off and she had zero access to reach. And it wasn't a long time, you know, because she was able to go down to the store and purchase another phone and get a number. But in that moment, she lost all access to be able to connect with family because we don't have landlines anymore. And it was one of those aha moments, those wake up moments where she was like, I just was completely crippled for a good 48 hours. And, um, and that was scary. And so you're right. This is a really important thing to be able, um, to be able to communicate and to have access to your family, your children, and, and for that to just all of a sudden be cut off and all of your passwords to be lost, all of everything that you store on your phone just went away. Well, and, and that takes me back to, I, I, I want to add to number one a little bit. When I say have $10,000 saved, that's for the attorney retainer. Um, there should be another, you know, five, $10,000 saved for when and if you are cut, cut off, off of access. Mm -hmm. And you have to realize, too, that if you are not on accounts, then that person is doing nothing wrong not giving you access to them. And in Montgomery County especially, and especially after COVID, we saw big delays. You know, divorces aren't 911 murders. Are. Yes. And so what's happening now is everybody thinks that there's going to be this temporary hearing and you'll get access again. These temporary hear hearings are taking months. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, unless there is an emergency temporary hearing, which is still weeks out, you could go months without any mm -hmm. money. So first and foremost, make sure you have this, these savings in place before you do anything else. Yes, absolutely. All right. What's next number? Are we on number six now? I think we are. I think we're on number six. Get a copy of your credit score and credit report. This is super important. Um, because you are married, your credit has been commingled. Um, and so therefore, See what your name is on. See what you own. Make sure that person hasn't taken credit cards out in your name. This is very common. Very common. Absolutely. Um, you know, make sure that you aren't um, on something that has been paid off, but it's still lingering. All of those things are really important, but a credit report can tell you more. It's kind of like um, discovery without having to pay for it. So one of the things that I have heard is that you need to get a 
what is it called? The forensic accountant. So they do that credit score check for you. How does that work? Well, actually, they, they will be able to dive down in even deeper, even deeper. And that's discovery. So that okay. is what your attorney will advise you to get done before mediation. Okay. And that tells everybody, like, are there any secret accounts out there? You know, everything that's owned, mm-hmm. um, everything that your name is on, his name is on. And it just, it gives them more information about what to ask for okay. in, in mediation. Okay. But that's something that's usually done after. This is pre-divorce. Pre. This is what we're wanting everybody to do to you know, make sure they're safe. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so a credit score is, is a way to get information about what is out there ahead of time. Um, but then also prepare yourself if you're on something. Yeah. That gives your attorney a heads up for mediation. Hey, I'm not on the house. We've got to address this. Yeah. And make sure that I don't get, you know, um, in a bad situation in mediation and you're kind of like at a at a point to where you can't mediate mm-hmm. because you don't have the information to mediate. And yeah. so, you know, mediation for the day is about for both parties, the mediator, um, your attorneys, um, it's about 5,000. So don't, you don't want a day that's wasted. You want to have all the information you can and the best time to get that information is before you file. Yeah. I hope this information is in many ways, if we're dealing with two healthy individuals who are just dealing with conflict, maybe this is a deterrent because this is a lot of work. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. I had a client talking about credit cards and getting all of that, running the credit score. She ran the credit score and she did. She found out that her husband had opened up a credit card in her name and it had over $36,000 of debt on that credit card that she never even knew about. And so what you're telling me is in that, you find that out, and then you're able to take that to mediation, pre-divorce mediation, to kind of figure out who's going to have ownership over debt that you didn't even know existed. Correct. So, you know, in case there are people out there wondering what, what Texas looks like for divorce, Texas is a 50-50 state. Um, it's a no alimony state. Mm-hmm. Texas does not care about how many affairs he has had, how horrible he has been to you. Um, Texas says, hey, we're 50 <laughs> 50. Um, and so you can come up with all the videos, all the proof. Um, it may embarrass him, it may be something that he or she doesn't want out there. So it, it is some negotiating power, but at the end of the day, if you go to court, nobody cares about that. And so it's important to know if somebody has taken out a credit card in your name, which is actually, Kristen, very common. Yeah. I hear it all the all time. All the time. Mm-hmm. Um, they've usually forged your name mm-hmm. on an application in the yeah. mail. And so if if there is a credit card out in your name, then that 36000 goes on his side. You know, of of the ledger. In other words, that's money that you didn't, you know, approve and you should not have to be responsible for. But if you do not catch it ahead of time, there's a credit card in your name and it's on you. Right. And it's 50-50. And it's 50-50. But Mm -hmm. you you say that there are times where you can fight that and say, no, I never had anything to do with this. 
and it needs to be all on him. Well, it needs to be part of the court's agreement needs to be that it has to be paid off before the divorce is granted. Ah, okay. So that you don't go, never ever sign off on a divorce with items pending. Mm, so and, fascinating. Yes, never. Um, hmm. Because there is, you know, the agreement police <laughs> don't <laughs> exist. So in order for something to be renegotiated or in order for you to get what was promised to you, yeah. guess what you've got to do? You've got to put down another retainer, mm-hmm. hire an attorney, and go back to court. Oh, my goodness. There, there aren't, you know... There's nothing in place that can enforce that. Yeah. Except for pre-divorce. Interesting. So, you know, make sure that you do not agree to anything with the hopes of trusting that person is going to do it down the road. Mm-hmm. Especially knowing what you already know. <laughs> Absolutely. Especially if he's taken a credit card out in your name, he's yes. not going to pay you. <laughs> Or she. I'm exactly. being sexist. Sorry. <laughs> I don't know what we're going to do about that. <laughs> All right. Moving on. Are we at number seven? Um, yes. Make sure that you have, um, what would be ideal would be the last four or five tax returns, uh, especially if you are filing jointly. Okay. Um, or even if you're filing separately. Um, but at a minimum, have the last two tax returns. Um, during the divorce, if or at the time of divorce, if the other person does not have a job, mm-hmm. then it it's very hard to say, hey, I want this person to pay for child support or this because they're showing zero, right? Right. But it might be just something that's going on right now. Tax returns show, you know, attorneys, the judge, whoever the mediator that, Hey, this is what the earnings are really mm-hmm. during real time. Mm-hmm. And it keeps you from, you know, a lot of times not getting anything because that person right now is not showing any income. Right. So absolutely make sure that you have proof of, of income tax returns. And that kind of brings me to number eight and just having access to, um, you know, bank records, you know, print them out, screenshot them, whatever you need to do. But if you are taken off the account or the password changes and you no longer have access, it's very hard to um, sometimes get that information when the time comes. So it sounds very much like when you're dealing with all of this, you honestly have to go old school. You've got to have cash you've got to have a paper trail. You literally, like if you, if you download your bank statements, but then your ex or almost ex owns your phone and then takes your phone away, then everything that you've downloaded on your phone is no longer with you. So everything it sounds like needs to be printed out, probably in duplicate filed somewhere and, and kept in a very safe remote location. Correct. Correct. Um, and I think number nine, um, and we may have gotten out of order. I don't know. Um, number nine. They kind of all run together because they are they, they are so interwoven. But eight are. and nine is the 50-50. I know when we talked about it, number nine was our was there is no alimony. 
and there's a 50-50 state, and we've talked about that. We've talked about that. So we'll go to 10, and then we'll go through them again. Okay. Um, but this one is, it, it, it's almost number two on my list behind saving cash. If you do not work or if, um, you know, you have maybe put your spouse, spouse through their career, their mm-hmm. college, maybe you put he or she through med school or law school and you've been a stay-at-home mom or you have taken a lesser job that you are not going to be able to support yourself after the divorce with, right? Um, maybe outside of uh, child support, then now is a good time. Start taking those classes. Yeah. Start, um, you know, get your resume cleaned up. If you need to get your a, a licensure updated, or if mm-hmm. maybe you didn't finish school, uh, maybe you want to, you know, do cosmetology school, just mm-hmm. whatever that looks like for you to be able to right out of the gate, you know, right after the divorce, start making money, start taking those classes now, not only for support later, but mental health. Yeah. It does wonders. You have self-worth mm-hmm. when you have that career, when you have that job. And it's so, so important for women to have, especially women, you know, men as well, but it, it can really mean the difference, um, in, you know, your mental health when you go through this process. Yeah. I couldn't agree with you more. I know that I've had several clients who've, again, they found themselves in this position, never, ever expecting to be in this position. And the depression, um, and the hopelessness that can come with that, it's real and it's intense. And one of the things that have really brought them out of that is, is to not have idle hands to go, okay, well, what do I want to be when I grow up? What, what kind of job do I want, um, to support myself? And like you said, getting the bank statements, putting things back in your name, setting yourself up, saving money, all of those different things like you said, incredibly therapeutic during this season of loss and grief. And so those, that's a really helpful, really helpful thing to talk about. Well, I truly believe that sometimes marriages are suffering because that other person doesn't have that career, doesn't have that self-worth. They aren't contributing. And the person that is doing all of the contributing is frustrated. Yes. You know, and they they want them to be part of the marriage. It, it disconnects you to be very, at, you know, very different. Like a team. Ends. Yeah. Like a team. Exactly. And so um, it can be just therapeutic to, um, you know, have that option. And I even had, I've had a couple of, of clients recently that after they got jobs and kind of joined the world or started participating more mm-hmm. in, you know, a nonprofit, et cetera. The marriage got better. Yeah. It was what was lacking. But I love that. You cannot put yourself in a position to just depend on child support or the, you know, 50-50 money that you're going to get because it it's not going to last long. Right. I, I agreed. That's, that's what we're finding again and again. And the lawyers take a lot of that money, a lot of it. So, Well, at the end of the day, um, no one benefits from the divorce except for the attorneys. <laughs> that's and right. They just it's that's just how that goes yeah. down. And I, I don't see 
Um, a lot of couples that benefit from these long, nasty, you know, expensive yeah. divorces. At the end of the day, that goes back to kind of the 50-50. Yes, can you negotiate 60-40 in mediation or 70-30 in mediation? Absolutely. But that's, you know, it's very rare. And so at the end of the day, everybody's going to probably get exactly what they were going to get before the bad fight started. Yes. And think about that. Think about the, you know, 50 and 60,000 that could go into an account for your kids that went to the attorneys mm-hmm. because um, your revenge, the feeling for revenge or the feeling that you need to win mm-hmm. will go away mm-hmm. and that money will just be lost. lost. It's kind of like a wedding. <laughs> you spend all that money on a wedding yes. and then the next day you just have those pictures, right? <laughs> um, so with that being said, I'll recap really. Yes. Cause I go think ahead we got out of order. Mm-hmm. Um, number one, $10,000 cash needs to be saved for your attorney retainer. Not to say that it won't be 5,000, 7,500, but what I'm seeing now is 10,000 good attorneys, like, you know, attorneys that what I call a go for the juggler attorney is uh, fifteen to twenty five thousand down. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. if you feel like that this is going to be a nasty fight, then I say make sure you've got fifteen to twenty five thousand saved. Mm-hmm. Um, number two, uh, make sure that you get your own bank account if you do not have one. Um, number three, copies of the deeds to everything, mm-hmm. titles to everything, your social security card driver's license, your passport, as well as copies of theirs and your children's. Mm -hmm. Okay. Number four, um, find all the outside accounts uh, that you can get access to them. Uh, It's very hard to get access to accounts after the divorce. So Mm -hmm. if there's something that you are not on, uh, make sure that you get, get on that before, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, maybe that's the, um, the cable bill so that, you know, they can't cut your cable off. Um, it can be, you know, electric bill, what, whatever that looks like, make sure that, you know, you have access to that because once it's filed, um, if you're not on it, it's very difficult to, to get on those things. Mm-hmm. Number five, um, get a copy of your credit score report. This is a really easy legal way to see what accounts you're on to see if somebody has taken out an account in mm-hmm. your name. Mm-hmm. So Experian, you know, the, the three credit bureaus, uh, pull your credit score because you're married, you've commingled credit. Therefore you'll be able to see, um, you know, what he might also be on. Um, this will also tell you what you're not on. You know, if you're not on a deed to a house, if you're not on, the mortgage of the second home or, or whatever that looks like the car, um, pull this credit report, uh, just to confirm, you know, it's a great Mm -hmm. way, uh, to also kind of know, like, what, what are we dealing with here? What, Mm -hmm. what does he have? What do I have? What does that 50 50 look like? Um, number six copy of the last, I would say four or five tax returns, two returns minimum. So, if you're filing jointly and you don't have a copy of this and can't find it, you can call the IRS 
um, your name is on that report and you can get a copy for the last of the last two returns, three returns. Um, I'm not sure how far they will go back to give you copies, but if you are not filing jointly, make sure that you get a copy if you can of his. If it's in his office, get a copy of it, but also have yours ready to go for your attorney. Um, number seven, you know, make sure you print out and screenshot uh, bank accounts, um, copies of the uh, statements for the last two years. Uh, sometimes the password gets changed. Sometimes we get locked out and it's super important for you to have copies of this for the attorney, especially again, if, if the person doesn't have a job, um, you want to make sure that you show, hey, this is the money that was coming in. You know, this was mm -hmm. the money that was coming out, going mm -hmm. out. Um, number eight, access to phone records. If you are not on the phone account, your cell phone account, make sure that you are put on it or that you are prepared to get a new number because the person that is on that account owns your number and they have to release that number in order for you to have it. Um, if, if they won't put you on an account, then, you know, go ahead and get a second phone. Um, and you know, this, is, I pray and hope that everybody does not have these extreme circumstances, but they happen. I hear mm -hmm. it every mm -hmm. day and your phone is the first thing that can be cut off as well as this is how they can track you. This is a good big point. part of tracking. Really good point. You know, of knowing where you are, you know, uh, this is a safety issue as well. Um, number nine was just, you know, 50, 50 state like Texas you know, do a spreadsheet, be prepared for what you're going to get, what you're not going to get. You know, if, if you have a $500,000, um, home, you owe 400,000, then you've got a hundred thousand in equity. Okay. So that means you're going to get 50,000. He's going to get 50,000 if the house sold, you know, have that in your head, what you need to live on and go ahead and work those details out before you file. Um, and last but not least, start taking classes, get your, your career on track. Um, do not depend on, on child support if, if that, or the money that you're going to get from the divorce, because it does not last long. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it can be very therapeutic to take those classes and get that going mm -hmm. now. Absolutely. So, yep. All right. Well, there you have it. Thank you so much, Fawn, for this information. And we are so glad that you were able to join us today on the Reality Check. We'll talk with you soon. Bye.